Welcome back to episode 66 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we seek to not only highlight the glories of ratings gain, which are so wonderful and feel so good, but also to dive into plateaus and even below that, the pits of despair. If you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon, Chess Journeys. I want to thank Jay Tuttle, Jay Garrison, Donna Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, and Lindsay Newhall for their support. And of course, I want to support uh, call out our sponsor chessable i am back to two days and counting that's right my streak of missing days is done um i've actually been working on the checkmate patterns manual still and also ooh, i'm forgetting the name it's like calculation for the tournament player i believe is what it's called i've really been actually balancing like four different calculation books to try to put together what is my calculation strategy going to be uh, if you want to use Chessable, you can use it for so many things, end games, strategy, openings, uh, doing your tactics, whatever you want to do, it is on Chessable. Make sure you check it out. If you want to appear on the show, fill out the Google form in the show notes. We all want to hear your story. And uh, today I bring in a special guest. I guess he has a name. I know him as Chess Numbers on Twitter. He puts out all kinds of awesome stuff, especially around big events. I think him as the chess stats guy. He had a blog. I checked, though. I haven't seen a new entry in a bit. I'll ask him about that. Well, let's bring Ty onto the show. Ty, welcome to Chess Journeys, and have you played any chess yet today? I have not played any chess today except for, like, three tactics on Chessable to keep my streak alive. It's a 577. Wow, that's <laughs> better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, that includes a lot of days where i just you know do two problems to keep the streak alive so uh yeah. it's great to be here okay um did you do any chess statistics yet today i have not uh i did get a ask on twitter to get some odds calculated for the u.s open or the u.s championships okay. and i can't promise anything um but i would really like to know what the chances are there i have a feeling fobby's in real good shape on the open side mm. uh but i'd like to know the numbers so i may find the motivation to run those tonight and try to get something out before round six we'll see okay are, are they about halfway through then is it 13 or 14 rounds i'm forgetting 13 rounds 14 player round robin okay, okay. and is fobby way ahead of the pack right now i haven't been keeping track of well i should double check the results he looked like he was gonna win and would have been a full point ahead if he did yeah. and then when i the looked at rating, it a few hours ago with the higher rate the, yeah. presses him even farther got it okay definitely yeah i remember reading like your um world championship predictions where it was kind of like well since magnus's rating is so much higher the odds are just way in his favor and i was like okay. yeah that seems kind of obviously true good point because i was like i don't know it's like 60 40 and you're like it's like 98 percent, and i was like oh, okay all right well let's um backtrack a moment yeah and uh let, let's get some context so what is your current life situation like what either gives you time for chess or or takes your time what's going on with your life so i'm a stay-at-home dad Okay, I've got a mm -hmm. <laughs> got one kiddo. He's two and a half years old. So, uh, and I've been stay at home for about two years now. Uh, 
it wasn't ever the plan, but I was less than an hour into my first day back after I finished up my my paternity leave. And I said, why am I not with him? And <laughs> came home that day and we, uh, my wife and I had some, talked about possibilities, started analyzing mm-hmm. finances, figuring out where we, where we could cut back. I ended up putting in like three month notice at work. So they had time for me to hire a replacement that mm-hmm. I could train and, then I've been stay at home ever since and absolutely love it. So mm-hmm. that's where life is at. And I'm sure I won't be, I'm, I'm sure you've heard plenty of times from anyone else who's trying to improve as a parent, that there's some serious challenges there. <laughs> Indeed there are. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I was just reflecting on that. Just at my job today, it was like trying to have a family, a job, a spouse, and then fitting chess on top of that, it just feels like I'm I'm so often pulled in so many directions. It's a miracle. I can do anything competitively <laughs> or competently and like improve at chess just seems almost impossible. Yet yet we somehow make it happen. So yeah. Um okay. I I guess I have a question about your blog before we get to your chess improvement. Is your blog different? or is it a thing where you kind of like put out a post when there's a big thing to post about and so it's more of an intermittent blog it is an intermittent blog written by someone with adhd okay okay gotcha (laughs) you kind of Um, do it when you feel like it if i had gotten my model up and running for the Mm -hmm. u.s championships like before the tournament started there would be a blog post there Um, I have been calculating my Prodigy Watch numbers in the background, and every month I mean to write a new article, and Mm -hmm. one of these months it'll actually happen. (laughs) I didn't realize you had a Prodigy Prodigy Watch thing. That sounds cool. Who's who's the one we should be watching the most? Uh, Depends on how far in the future you want to look. Okay. There's some really interesting, much younger kids who are like 11 years old and top 10 rating for their age of all time Uh, and those can sometimes those can go in anywhere but a lot of the top players a lot of the top prodigies who we know now is you know as older teenagers that everyone's paying attention to were in those record setting ranges when they were 11 so sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a sign of things to come i actually don't have those numbers in front of me and i don't want to just throw names out but there's a one kid from turkey who i think is 11 uh or dogmas i don't know how to pronounce the name but his he's uh the second highest rating of all time for his age right now oh i guess what i really want to know is my seven-year-old on your list um her rating is 179 uscf so i she would absolutely be on the list if she got a fide rating Uh, (laughs) i'd be happy to throw her on there yeah, she's not. Uh, but I'm not track. I, I don't track USCF only. <laughs> Therefore, I'm also not on the list. <laughs> Wait, you're not a prodigy? I am not a prodigy. <laughs> How disappointing is that? Uh, I remember I wrote a short story in college. It's coming back to me about a guy reflecting on like when he was a prodigy. And now he's like 30 and no one's like, you're going to be great at everything. They're just like, you're just a regular person now. Like your prodigy status is gone. And it was like hard to adapt to. Luckily, I've never had a prodigy attached to me. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. Um, okay. It's easier well, that way. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no disappointment. <laughs> so let's get into your chess improvement then. Let's start with like, what's your backstory? What's your origin story? Uh, when'd you get into chess? Yeah, I'd say I got into chess seriously when I was seven. Uh, oh, okay. I learned I learned the moves already at probably four or five ish. Um, I come from a board game family. Mm. Uh, my grandpa was huge into chess. Uh, because of that, he tried to make my dad study more than he wanted to when he was a kid. My dad mm. knew chess, but it was just another game to him after that. But he taught me the moves, and we played periodically along with all the dozens of other games we played together. Okay, we got to pause on Grandpa. How good was Grandpa? I wish I knew. Oh, um, it's a mystery. Uh, I know that he played a tournament or two somewhere in the mid 80s when he was in his 50s because i went back and looked at the pdfs of the old uscf rating lists and he shows up in one of them and i think it was 86 with a rating with a rating in the 1800s oh okay in his 50s yeah so i'm guessing and I have no idea if he had played rated tournaments earlier when he was younger, but the rating didn't carry over or if that was different rating mm-hmm. systems. Cause I don't know enough of the history of when those ratings started being tracked in the USCF and he was also uh, military. So a lot of his mm-hmm. prime years, he probably wasn't in pl- in position to go play competitive chess tournaments. And I don't know yeah. all the details of when he got into it, but I, I suspect he was, at some point in his life, expert strength, whether he had the rating to back it up or not, if he could come yeah. in in his 50s and log an 18-something. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. I, I thought Grandpa was going to be like 1,100 or something, so that's amazing. Good for Grandpa. I want to be Grandpa. Okay, so what's your next step then? You're playing as a little kid. Was Grandpa helping you, or was it mostly just Dad? So Grandpa lived in New Jersey, and I'm in Oregon. Okay. Uh, so the... The, the way the story should go is I got to learn chess from grandpa. Yeah. And you visit you know, him for a summer. Yeah. And right. And like he teaches me all the stuff and I get really into the game. Yeah. And unf- that would be the happy version of the story that unfortunately mm. we don't get to enjoy. Uh, grandpa passed away when I was seven. Oh, that's too bad. But from a chess perspective, the upshot is. I had shown just enough interest in the game by then, and I'm the oldest grandkid. I inherited his entire collection of chess books. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. And it was extensive. It was the kind of collection you'd expect someone yeah. who had probably hit expert strength at some point to have. Uh, it had all the, it had a complete collection of Fisher's games. It had all sort of like the classic. None of them were published any earlier than like 1970. But there was uh, like an old edition of modern chess openings. There were pamphlets on different openings. There was uh, art of some a bunch of the classics. You had your Capablanca's Fundamentals. You had your Art of the Attack. You had a ton of great books. So question, is your opening repertoire just a collection of pamphlets from like the 1960s or something? It is not. <laughs> that would be amazing. Like so, here's my repertoire, all surprise moves. <laughs> so here's the thing about those books. I read them, but I didn't study them. Mm. Uh, at seven years old, getting my hand on that collection, if I had like studied chess from them, 
maybe I would have been a prodigy. I mean, that had, the, there was enough content there that if I used it from a, approached it with a chess improvement mindset, had someone to kind of guide me through it, mm-hmm. it really, I, I could have maybe gotten pretty good. Who knows? Maybe not, but who, maybe I could have. You start young and you have work at it. That's not really what happened with those books. What those books did for me was they made me fall in love with chess. I read them, but I never delved into the variations. I play a game now and then. I I played through a lot of the games, but never really like studied in detail out of them. So Mm -hmm. that was sort of, uh, I mentioned earlier, right? I have ADHD. Um, I've had a very on and off again relationship with uh, chess as a player through my life. I've had these different periods where I get really into the game and Mm -hmm. then periods where it kind of falls by the wayside. So that getting those books gave me the first of sort of four core periods. And that one, I didn't do that much improvement or at least like struck, not structured, but that's when I learned to love the game. Hmm. Okay. So that embedded the love of the game in you. Did you yes. play any tournaments or anything? Just like try it out? Or was just kind of like, I got this cool collection from grandpa. This is cool. No tournaments then. We'll talk about phase two of the four in a, in a, okay. in a minute. Uh, but there is another extension of this uh, phase. Hmm. So I did have one other relative besides my grandpa on my dad's side that was also really into chess. And that was my uncle on my mom's side of the family. Uh, he lived in Florida, so same thing. Didn't see him often enough to like play chess with him. And he is the only, him and my grandpa are the only two relatives that died when I was young. He passed away <laughs> wow. when I was 10. Okay. And I inherited his collection of chess books too. Oh so that's sort of just an addendum to the piece of how I, and duplicates of like at least half a dozen books. They both had good taste, but also some new ones. Uh, his extension, his collection wasn't quite as extensive, and I don't think he was ever quite as strong of a player. But mm. he was also uh, loved chess, had a pretty good his a pretty good collection of his own. So, mm. sadly, no, I didn't get to learn chess from them. But between the two of them, I came out of it with a lot of books. And yeah, sounds like it. So that is how I learned to love chess. Okay, so now you love chess. How long does this phase last? Is that like seven to like 10? a decade? Oh, uh, yeah. So, and I started as internet chess became a little more of a thing, and I got a little older. I played like here and there on like Yahoo and then Pogo games, and if anyone is the right age to remember those sites, mm-hmm. and so through the mid nineties, like I got some chances to play, and I did read the books enough to pick up stuff. It's not like I didn't learn anything i came out of it over a decade of very casually looking through all that stuff uh uh, pretty regularly but not like not with any rigor Mm -hmm. came out of it pretty safe to say in the range of 1200 strength over the course of that was my improvement from 7 to 17 is i Mm. became good enough to be on the verge of calling myself a class player instead of a complete beginner. Gotcha. Okay. That seems about right, right? You're just like casually taking in content. Yeah. Okay. And when... For my... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So for my 17th birthday, the summer before my senior year, 
my dad bought me a membership in the United States Chess Federation. Oh, that's cool. Makes me eligible to play tournaments. Mm -hmm. And I get a copy of Chess Life magazine with the tournament announcements in the back. First magazine comes and it's got an announcement for a tournament in my hometown. Wow. Coming up in September. Birthday was in July. I got the magazine in August. So I'm like, Dad, can I please play this tournament? Of course, he says yes. I mean, <laughs> you don't buy your kid a USCF membership and then find out the tournament in town and then tell him he can't play. I, We're that, busy. <laughs> that'd be inconsistent. <laughs> so I got go to my first tournament, the Oregon Open in 2001. Mm. And half the people there are kids, mostly younger than me. And yeah. this is how I learn that my <laughs> high school has the best chess club in the state. Oh, I did not know this as a freshman, sophomore or junior. (laughs) I did not know it when I was in middle school, even though middle schoolers are welcome at the high school club, too. (laughs) We have the best high school. uh, So my senior year, I joined chess club for the first time. Mm. Played my first tournament, played my first tournament September 3rd. I've got my tournament history up here to help narrate Mm. this. Uh, I came out of that first tournament rated 1128. And two months later, after two months of chess club, I played another tournament that got me to 1332. Okay. That's nice. So that's bit that and there was some pretty quick improvement, right? You get into a chess, you have that decade of background. So I'm not coming into it with without concepts, but I never applied it, never had any rigor. You get into club and all of a sudden people are like, you're getting a little bit of coaching, a little bit of direction, and just playing a ton. I definitely improved fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you attribute your improvement in that period to just kind of playing to cement the knowledge that you had and turn it into skill? Yeah, I'd say definitely there was a very fast from being in that club things, a decade of concepts mm-hmm. consolidated. Okay. Um so it wasn't and, like some book you read in that period. You feel like it's all the all the stuff you'd been doing. Oh, I didn't read anything in that period. I <laughs> found people who I'd found other people to play chess. I didn't need books anymore. I could just play um, now, right? Gotcha. Wow. Uh, okay. I and that that period was like only a few months of active chess because I had to quit the club when baseball season started. Because baseball, uh-huh. I, I mean, I, it was senior year. I finally made varsity. It's not like I yeah. finding chess club was great. I did love chess. It was really exciting to found chess club and all that, but. And then you went on to the major leagues, right? Yeah. I was definitely as much of a baseball prodigy as I was a chess (laughs) prodigy here. So. (laughs) That's cool. Did did I mention how senior year I had finally made varsity? I assume that's the trajectory of most major league baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They even let me play every now and then. Oh, this was the nice this was you know I made varsity because they can't they're not allowed to put me on JV as a senior, oh, <laughs> so God. they let me ride the bench for the varsity team instead of cutting me because I'd put time into the program. <laughs> but still, baseball was my everything back then. So I, so I had my four months in chess club, uh, and my I did play one more tournament that spring, but I hadn't thought about chess for months. Rating drops to twelve thirty three. Mm-hmm. stabilizing like again i think i'd co- come in 11 to 1200 baseline strength before i found the club yeah i think and... there's a lesson there also just in like regular playing especially over the board you get better like you're able yes. to cement that stuff and when you don't play 
you might still have the knowledge, but the skill starts to erode. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And it can come back fast if you start playing again, like the mm-hmm. knowledge being there allows it to show up. And you, I think you need both. I'm a believer. Yeah. I, theoretically, we'll talk uh, practice versus theory for me and challenges of as an adult improver later, I think. Mm-hmm. But in theory, yes, I definitely mm-hmm. think without the combination of both playing to really cement and apply the concepts and also studying to pick up new concepts to to facilitate improvement. Yeah, yeah I, be- I believe that both is the most at least efficient path, maybe not the only possible way, but yeah. So that was my that was my experience with chess in high school. Okay. And uh I said I mentioned it was the best team in the in the best uh, club in the state. I played on the B team with the middle schoolers when we did a con- <laughs> we we in our uh, in the in our competitive events. That Those were unrated. So hard by the way. Like I get it as an adult playing with kids, but if I was in high school and they were like, you're on the middle schoolers team, I'd be like, whoa, no, no, I can't. I mean, there was, I was one of two high schoolers, uh, (laughs) but, and like, that's who, that's who I matched up well with. I mean, I understood the thing about chess is there's no illusions, right? You don't, you know, who's better than you and who you're better than. It's not a, uh, it's not a game where skill can hide. And so, it, there was no question the five people on the A-team were all better than me. Um, we had one kid that year who was an eighth grader that wasn't allowed to play on the high school team. Oh, okay. Who was the best player in the club. And the year <laughs> after I graduated with him as a freshman, yeah. that team went on to play second at nationals. Oh, wow. Okay, so they <laughs> won't let non-high school kids play on the high school team. I guess that makes sense. I'm not even sure if it was a national rule, but they didn't let it. But the st- it, it, there was a state rule, at least. Okay. Uh, I don't know all that. There was actually, I've heard, I've been talking to a chess coach lately who has been in the see for a while. There might have been some drama at the state level around that that I had no no idea about. Yeah. <laughs> Back in that. the day. Uh, I could I'm see the sure. school making a petition and then other schools and say being like, no, 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 no. We don't want that kid in it. Sounds like there might have been some drama around it. That's mm-hmm. not my story to tell, and I don't know for sure, but I have right. that a vague impression. Uh, but I just know that m- my senior year, he refused to play on the B team because uh, uh, in, as a protest to not being allowed to play on the A team where he should have been. Yeah. Uh, but he, but anyway, so I played the three rated tournaments and also a couple scholastic tournaments with the team. Okay. And uh, that definitely, I mean, that, member USCF membership was great I get to college and I'm able to continue this sort of this phase two of my chess career because there's mm. a really active chess club at, col- at at my college when I get there that's cool so I was able to keep playing with a good group my freshman year and I we even got we even got out of town as a group to go play one rated tournament mm. so uh, from 1233 my rating jumps to 1246 okay uh in 2003 at, and that was a good year but then the president of that particular club was a senior he graduates and yep. the club folded and yep. for the next almost decade Ooh. my playing career pretty much ends now I still I still played online here and there and I still liked chess. Um there's a parallel piece. There's my journey as a player and my journey as a fan turned mm-hmm. actual I guess professional 
fan. I'm actually a paid chess statistician now, which is just absurd and amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess I want to ask you, this just seems so interesting to me that someone who loves chess so much only plays chess when it's super convenient and it's like put in front of your nose and you're like, you know what? Now I will play. I'm just curious. Like, did you have any periods in there where you were actively searching out other stuff or you weren't, it just wasn't available. It really wasn't available without traveling quite a bit. Okay. Um, chess in, cause I, so I went to Southern Oregon university, grew up in Eugene. There was an active chess community in Eugene in high school, but that had pretty much folded. So I was in Southern Oregon and Portland five hours away was the only place where there were regular tournaments. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, I did like, I, I mean, I joined chess.com when it launched, I was playing on fix before that. And I mean, I was playing online. I hadn't completely abandoned the game or anything, but only playing, no studying. Studying okay. is at least for me, it's really hard to find motivation to study if I don't, have any reason to think I'm going to play over the board. Yeah, totally. Studying, like really trying to study the game to get better at online blitz wasn't a thing. Yeah. So I'm still in touch with the game. Also starting to follow professional chess a little more as that becomes more of a thing you can do online. Uh, but yeah, there's almost a decade there where really just no opportunity to play. And mm -hmm. finally, that leads into phase three, which is me creating my own opportunity to play. Okay, here we go. Here's the chess lover. Being so, like, there's no club around. You just make your own. So after that, roughly after that decade of not playing, um, I am now married and my wife and I moved to this small, small town in uh, uh, east of where we had been. Uh, in South, not really in eastern, eastern Oregon, but on the if you know Oregon geography, east side of the mountains, Klamath Falls. Okay. And town about 40,000 and two hours from anything else that has more than a thousand people in it. <laughs> okay, that's pretty isolated. Um, so like the it, at, at 40,000, it's the big city that people in this yeah. area come to. <laughs> it's got the Walmart. Yeah. It, it, yep. And, no, actually, for the Walmart, you had to drive over the mountains to Medford, oh. I, Oh, wow. I um, but it had it had its college, mm -hmm. a small small college. It's got the hospital. It's got, uh, <laughs> yeah, etc. Um, so, and we, so we were out there, and we didn't know anyone there. We had, uh, my wife. We we went there for my wife's work. She's a teacher, and there was a little rural school that she mm -hmm. offered her her first full time job. So we moved out to out there for that. And after we'd been there for a little while, I just started, I needed to find something. Hmm. And there was a game store in town. So I took my chessboard to the game store. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit here with my chessboard until I find other chess players. Wow. I'm going to turn it into a chess club. Nice. Okay. I got to ask you this question. How did you go from 10 years of not much chess to just one day deciding I am making my own chess club? Like, that seems like a huge jump. So that was in the range of when I was getting more accurate with the more active on in like some online message boards and playing a lot more blitz on like okay. online blitz. Um, so that that was also if we want to sort of talk about the parallel journey, that was the my the proto stage to my blog. Uh, so there's a message board that's primarily a poker forum that a lot of people may have heard of. Two plus two. Hmm. 
that had a that I I never really got into poker, but I found out that I really like poker players for discussing other things. So I was really active on both the sporting events uh, sub forum of two plus two. And then when they created the chess sub forum, I got really active there, ended up becoming a moderator of the two plus two chess sub forum. And so I was getting really, I was really, my love of chess was rekindled. I just didn't have anywhere to play with people okay. other than online. So I was organizing online blitz tournaments through the forum Mm. and uh, doing a lot more tactics work. I like I'd actually found chess tempo and I think at the time. And so I was doing some work on my game, nothing beyond tactics, which is super helpful, but also not everything. And that explains some of the holes that are in my game to this day, that that's all I did then. But so I was studying some chess and Mm. talking about chess a lot, um, starting to, talk a little bit about chess statistics tournaments i was we were following major tournaments through the message board and i'm like i wonder what the odds of someone winning are no one there wasn't really anything out there so i was like i could figure that out in a spreadsheet eh, maybe someday i'll try it <laughs> right the, the proto beginnings of the blog are showing mm-hmm. up there and so finally i'm like i this isn't an i i really do love chess i always have let me go find try to find some chess players so i brought my board down to the game store and I was willing to do it a few times, fortunately, because no one showed up mm-hmm. the first time. But the second time I'm there, I found a guy rated over 2,000. What? Like, there's an actual chess player here, like, much better than me. Wow. And Amazing. with his help, chess players know the other chess players, right? Mm-hmm. We start, with his help, I was able to start finding people. And so I threw in my... uh application to become a tournament director and we started hosting tournaments and that year we ran i ran really uh i ran three tournaments in klamath falls uh directed and played in them nice so and also started traveling to a couple of those big tournaments uh okay so let's talk real quick about how this works because i think there's a lot of people in this situation or like playing online would love to play in person. Either they live in a small area or, or chess just hasn't picked up in their area. How does this work? Did you sort of like advertise you're going to be at the store or did you just go to this place, sit there and just get lucky that a chess player walked by? I just, I just went there um, in retrospect. I could have done more, but it worked that time. Um, I would advise addition at advertising. If you can mm-hmm. uh, never hurts to, create a facebook page for your club mm. you, fake it till you make it right you can create uh, you can create a page for a club that is just you and yeah. if no one else is interested that's fine but if anyone yeah. is they it's something they can find yeah and especially um, at a game store you could probably even get them to put a little flyer up if you're gonna mm-hmm. have it I at mean, the they, game store they might have put up a flyer for me that i'm not 100 percent sure if i did that Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I found someone, we found a few others. There was a few serious chess players there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a professor at the over at the college that mm-hmm. was like hadn't played in a decade, but he was eighteen hundred strength, and we were able to get oh. him ho- him back interested. Nice. And then here's the thing: like for people stuck in the situation, I cannot recommend this more. Of just there is an if you build it, they will come. Because I was sitting mm-hmm. there for a decade not playing chess just because I had nowhere to play, right? Yeah. 
And I wasn't the only one, and you aren't the only one. If you create a chess club and hold a tournament, like I'm not saying 100 people are going to show up, but you might get eight. You can get Mm -hmm. eight. Um, The very first tournament we ran in Klamath Falls, a a group of three people carpooled up from three hours away. Oh my uh, they were stuck in Northern California and they had a local a club where they were just playing each other and they didn't have anyone who knew how to run a tournament. So they weren't doing rated play, but they really wanted to play rated a rated game. And they somehow we found them. Uh, mm-hmm. I did get a Facebook page up once the club became official. Mm-hmm. And so these three people for a sing, it was a three round game in 45 one day tournament they drove they left they left reading at 6 a.m to get to klamath at 9 30 to play our tournament starting at 10 they played three games of chess with us and drove back to reading that that, that wow. night that's commitment right there um that town two hours to the west had one of the mm-hmm. relative one of the very few fms in the state and oh. for our second turn second and third tournaments he and a couple other people from that area came over so like people will travel hmm. for a tournament if you actually run one. So like if you can find locally, whatever town you're in, find four, find like just four or five other people that want to play a rated tournament, mm-hmm. you'll probably be able to get it and then advertise it a little. You can probably get a few, a few more and you only need four people to run a quad. You get eight, you can run a really great Swiss three round Swiss. Mm-hmm. So you don't need a huge number of people to get some really good games in. Yeah. I, so, I my next question is like, how does one even run a tournament or start an official club? I guess my question is, are there a lot of hoops you have to jump through or is it just a couple? Almost none. Um, oh, in wow. in the US, at least. Uh, I, I don't know anything about other setups, but yeah, to the, the lowest level of tournament director that you can be with the United States Chess Federation, you literally just have to like send in a form that's that you have to sign a f- form and send it in that says, yes, I have read the rules of chess. <laughs> and they say, you're allowed to run tournaments now. <laughs> wow. That's a bit stunning. Um, there's other, le- and you can only run tournaments with like a maximum of 50 participants, which good luck. If, if you build your club to where that's a problem, you've done an amazing thing that I have yeah. not ever done. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah, it's incredibly easy. Wow. So it sounds to me like, I could pretty easily start an official club at my high school and run rated tournaments. Like it wouldn't be that tough. Absolutely. Uh, Finding a place to find. I mean, there's the logistics. You got to find a place to play, but schools are great for that. Um, Mm -hmm. We found one student. We had found the professor right at the the college. Mm -hmm. And then we found one student who was okay. You want to talk about, uh, he was a fascinating player because he had never, studied chess but he had played like he had, it, like we, we talked about study and play as the best combo mm-hmm. he had played a ton of blitz never played long chess never studied a thing mm-hmm. and he was like 1800 strength off of just blitz he was the most ridiculous calculator i've ever met in my life i've huh. met much stronger players than him i've met titled players who don't hold a candle to the way he calculated. He had no background on it. He was, a kid, he, but he was this 1800 college kid yeah. who just saw like, like literally after I met him, after I confirmed he was 1800 strength from our first tournament, I broke out a copy of one of my end game books with him. 
mm. and you didn't know what the opposition was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. He didn't, he didn't know like king and pawn versus king, the fundamentals. <laughs> he he yeah. couldn't look at a position and the and on a theoretical level. Mm-hmm. tell you if it was won or drawn but he could look at it and calculate for three right. seconds and then tell you if it was won or drawn yeah. because it was easy for him to calculate all of that in just three seconds and without uh. he, he just got by without knowing this kid but anyway mm-hmm. he was awesome I, I miss him but so we, between a student and a, fa- and a faculty member they were able to start separate from our from our city bait adult mm-hmm. club they started a school club and then we just shared meetings <laughs> so they were able to get uni- university space for tournaments we oh, ran the first one in the side room of the game store and it was it was too loud but we ran yeah. the next two over at the at the college okay well why only three what happened so i i talked about our isolation in this little town we made it two yeah. years but then we moved and I was already a year into being there before I started this thing. So mm-hmm. I ran the club for a year and then we moved. Uh, okay. In that time, I ran those three tournaments. I also made one trip up to Portland before the first tournament and then another trip out to the coast after. Mm-hmm. So I played, was able to play five, five tournaments, shed my provisional rating in that phase. And over the course of those five tournaments, my provisional 1246 went to 1422. Okay. Thirteen ninety nine at the first one I ran. It's actually pretty hard to focus on your play while you're also the TV. Fine in a small tournament, you can do it, but it definitely distracted yeah. me a little. I, that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> uh, but then up to fourteen forty six, up to fourteen eighty three at the last mm-hmm. one I ran, and then that trip out to the coast up to fifteen forty three. Okay. Are you doing anything in this period to improve your chess or is it still? Yeah. So here I actually started studying some things. First time I ever studied anything other than seriously studied. Like I had the books. I've read books, of course. I had a ton of non uh, foundation, but first time I ever like broke open any of those old books I had and even got Mm -hmm. a couple of new ones and studied them. Now I don't, I'm not good at study. Okay. I was not very, not a great student again i've mentioned have i mentioned the adhd i think you have Uh, i'm not sure if i have i I lose track of whether i've (laughs) (laughs) but i'm not good at studying and Mm -hmm. that applies to my chess study too and so i can't say i studied like really well but i was actively studying i did some end game work i did some strategy work i did a lot of tactics problems and Mm -hmm. i did some of that work at in, we weren't it's not like I those three tournaments I ran were the end of the club we met every week okay. so I was playing and studying at club meetings there was a few uh, a few other people there that really wanted to also study so there was a lot of bring mm-hmm. a book and work through it together type stuff so yeah I was actually working on my chess here in this period okay. let's uh, talk about that for a minute because I don't know that many people that do that most people I know study on their own what did you find to be the benefits of actually like studying together in a group format it was incredibly useful for me because i'm so bad at studying Mm, um i bring the capacity to understand information like Mm. i'm very analytical hence the stats blog and i can process stuff when i actually am doing the work when i do work my work is good but okay. I'm really bad at making myself do work. I do not bring the motivation. Gotcha. So, 
it's uh, sitting down with someone else, uh, especially if you can mismatch that someone who maybe who who brings finding someone who has that motivation and really mm-hmm. doing the study together. For me, that was huge. That was a really needed way to get myself to actually work on this book that instead of letting it sit on the shelf. Uh, when I am studying solo, I also, it's really hard to resist the shortcuts. You'll start, you'll start looking at a variation and ah, do you really want to dig the, dig into all the variations that are listed there? Or do you just want to play the next move and see what happened? You yeah. learn so much less. You make so much progress if you just skip ahead, but the temptation is really there. Mm-hmm. When you're doing it with someone else, it's a lot harder to skip ahead. I think there's, um, a ton of value in a training partner and it doesn't have to be in person, mm-hmm. but an in-person training partner was a really cool thing to have and mm-hmm. really got my focus in a lot more. And that was the first time I ever really studied productively. Yeah. Beyond, other cool. than tactics. I'd done productive mm-hmm. tactics work before then, because that you can do solo online with it, whatever, yeah. but. All right. Yeah. Shout out to Jay Garrison, um, you know, friend of the show. We've had some, sessions together where we were like going through some of the chess dojo end game positions and it was really useful like on my own it was kind of like uh i don't know this is fine i guess but then with him it was like okay now it's on like Mm -hmm. even if i know this is losing i want to stop you from winning right like i'm gonna plot all the tricks i've got whereas when it was just on my own i'm like yeah this is a losing position i can tell that pretty quick i'm not i'm not super worried about like really happen and I felt like I learned so much more like going through that. Um, were there any books or resources you point to in this period that really propelled you? Or is it just kind of like you got lots of stuff and you're using what you got? The only book I specifically remember getting sp- particular value out of was Silman's Endgame course because I had never mm-hmm. studied. I had always put off Endgames. You know, they're the boring stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't quite feel that way anymore, but <laughs> it's very easy to have that attitude, even if you know it if you find them interesting now, I bet a lot of players remember when they thought they were boring yeah. uh, and a lot of players might still think that. Um, but yeah, Silman's Endgame course was mm-hmm. the one that I did the most work at club with. Cause that was the biggest gap that that one guy who I told you about was had, uh-huh. he had never really looked studied Endgame, So he was just voracious about working through mm-hmm. that. And it was a That's excuse cool. to make me actually obs- work on that content more. Um, okay. That's cool. You mentioned, chess dojo i want to say they're my absolute favorite Mm. uh place for learning in the current online chess community i think yeah i want to give them a gigantic shout out and that training partner concept is a huge foundation of their approach yeah um i found my first training partner we're still on we're 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 just wrapping up our talking about my third of the four phases Mm -hmm. obviously i'm in phase four now (laughs) um and uh, my first training partner of phase four was someone who was getting a lesson, a, a, a private lesson that they on that was you know broadcast on Twitch uh, through uh, the dojo, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a lesson with David who was saying you should find a training partner to work on these types of positions with. And mm-hmm. I'm in chat like, oh, my rating's really close to yours. I'd be willing to try that out. And that's, that's cool. how I found my first recent training partner. And I, again, from the experience back in Klamath in person, I was totally on board with training partners, 100%. Yeah. Um, there is a lot, of course, that you can do solo. Mm-hmm. And that if you really want to improve, you got to do a lot of solo work. 
Mm-hmm. But a training partner is, I think, a really, really great way to help cement that more. So would you say this is something that has really extended through ever since you realized that and you've continued to do it and you still do it today is to find training partners? As much as I can, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I feel like one of the real challenges of like, you know, an adult with a child and everything is like, it's easy to find a training partner. It's hard to find time to meet with a training partner. Yes. And that is definitely the challenge. So that was phase uh, three, right, of wow. my chess journey of active play. Because we moved and that just threw everything off and I kind of lost track of it. What happened when we moved, I didn't find work for the first few months in the new town we moved to. That's when I launched my blog. Ah, okay. So we left Klamath Falls. I stopped playing chess and started blogging about chess. But why not just do the same thing? Why not move to this new city and be like, I've done it before. I'm doing it again. There already was a club, but then oh. I just life was happening and I wasn't okay. making it to that many meetings and there weren't and I, I played one unrated tournament down there and there were some really there was there was some really strong there were some actual prodigies there. Okay. Uh pair uh pair of brothers that lived in a town close close by that are one's an IM now, the other's still an FM. Oh, uh, I played the now FM two times over the board when he was 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. And I should have won the game when he was 10. I had him and I messed up and I ended up losing it. And when he was 11, he beat me relatively convincingly, but I still had chances. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because those were definitely the last two shots I was ever going to get at him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you played him today, you'd beat him no problem. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there is a club life's in the way you're playing when you can but it's not the same uh access that you once had yeah and it the t- just the timing because there already was one so there was already a meeting schedule the meetings weren't convenient ah. and because i wasn't starting it i wasn't able to set it up to work well yeah. for me so mm-hmm. i just kind of didn't make it to, i made it to a few meetings here and there and then missed a few and at some point you miss enough that you just aren't going anymore mm-hmm and we only lived in that town for a year, and then we moved again to where we are now. Finally, found home. Okay. Uh, and once we finally, once we found home and settled in, and I was work, I was working. That's when my blog went defunct, uh, <laughs> and that's yeah. when chess sort of went total back burner mm. for a number of years. Right, because now so, life has really gotten in the way. Yeah, so we moved up to this t- to the town that is now home in 2015. Uh, and my rating's 1543, but I pretty much just stopped chess. My blog, I tried to keep going after the move. And once I started working the blog right now, it's on, it's active, but like, I just don't publish often, but it went fully defunct after Mm -hmm. an art. I published an article in 2016. That was like my first update in six months and then didn't touch it again for years. Okay. And that pretty much ended my, uh, it active interest in chess i still love still loved it still watch the stuff online when i can pay attention mm-hmm. was paying attention to pro the, the pros even every once in a while calculating odds but not writing anything about it but in terms of active attention i lost the thread until queen's gambit 
Ah, so the Queen's Gambit brought you back. A similar story that I've heard before. Yep, Queen's Gambit brought me back. Okay, what was it about the Queen's Gambit that brought you back? What episode number? Um, probably the trailer. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was just the Queen's Gambit just captured chess obsession so well right mm-hmm. like i talk about the love of chess but there's a fine line between love and obsession <laughs> and it yeah. just it made me need chess actively in my life again okay um and so the queen's gambit brought me back and first i relaunched my blog okay uh so i watched queen's gambit what I didn't I didn't actually get to it the instant it came out, but I watched it in December 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and so January 2020, I relaunched my blog with coverage of Tata Steel. Oh, okay. uh, that was what I used. And then I started relaunch Prodigy Watch gradually and got the blog up and running over time again. And uh, that was but and then it was by the sp- and then after relaunching the blog, I'm like, I also want to play. So I uh, found Chessable and started doing training there 577 days ago, I said, <laughs> whenever that is. And nice. then I discovered. Um, so here's my sequence of how I discovered the new uh, ecosystem of online chess that did not exist in 2014 when I was last mm-hmm. time I was active. Um, Queen's Gambit made me really interested. I got really curious about the games in the show. I knew there was some background and I wanted to find the moves of the games. So I started searching for them and I found a Gotham Chess YouTube video Uh, that broke down some of the games. So Gotham Chess brought me back first. He's the gateway. He is the gateway. He's a great gateway. Um, (laughs) That's how I discovered that there's now a chess YouTube community. Okay. Once I found him, I started finding all the other channels too. And from his YouTube channel, I learned that he had a Twitch, which is how I discovered that there is a chess Twitch community. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I hopped on Twitch and started watching his streams. Uh, this is also um, my son was born March 31st, 2020. Mm. So this is I'm home with a newborn, yeah, in a pandemic <laughs> that just started, and I just mm. discovered chess Twitch. So I watched a lot of Twitch <laughs> of chess on Twitch. I'm thinking well, you did not get out to a lot of tournaments. In no, April 2020. I definitely <laughs> I got back into it at the wrong time yeah. to dive right back into tournament chess. Unfortunately, that I only just played my real underground tournament to be able to pull that off in that time frame yes but um Mm. i found chess twitch and that eventually led me to the to the dojo and then Mm. i got and that was the discord community that i really got into and got more serious about working on improvement and so that led to a whole lot of study and no Mm. chance to play yeah um now we want to talk problems of trying to study as a parent. What I had to study for study time, I could find a dozen five to 10 minute chunks every day that I could put five to 10 minutes in. 
there is nothing you can do productively other than tactics with that. Yeah. It's not enough time to play a serious game. It's not enough time to really analyze something meaningfully and really dig into a good annotated game or a good chapter of a strategy book. Or mm-hmm. you can do tactics, maybe some like and some technical end games. Mm-hmm. Not like practical end game strategy, but you can, you know, learn your technical end game positions. That's kind of almost just a version of tactics. Yeah. Were you tempted to just kind of like shift into becoming a bullet player or something? Because that seems like something you could have done a couple bullet games here, a couple there. I played a lot of bullet. Yes. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I've always loved bullet. It doesn't make me better at chess. It never has. But I will always go play a bullet game here and there. But in terms of actually, I actually wanted to get better. I really wanted to improve. And all I had was these little windows. Mm -hmm. So a lot of tactics work. That is obviously the strongest point part of my game, relatively speaking. Um, My strategy is my strategic understanding is shambles. My tactics are really pretty good. Uh, I balance it out to be about a 1500 ish strength player. Uh, I've got a chess com rapid rating now for 1700. So maybe Very room nice. to improve maybe room to improve my uscf a little bit uh okay so I, in this period would you say there are any specific tactics resources you're using it sounds like you're using chess ball a lot are you going over like opening repertoires as well that does seem like another area where you could take 12 minutes and be like boom i zoomed through bit. some lines um openings or something opening theory is not that useful to just like memorize mm-hmm. uh o- o- useful openings is to understand them yeah and that's actually something that i know in the past held me back uh when i got really into trying to study in 2014 i wasted so many hours in the- theoretical rabbit holes of lines i could never remember much less or see over the board yeah um so <clears throat> i knew that i had that tendency to over obsess on opening theory beyond the part beyond the level that is in any way useful. Mm-hmm. So here's how I used Chessable. Okay. I bought a bunch of lifetime repertoires that collectively gave me a, a, a concrete entire repertoire mm-hmm. that I could study later. And I told myself, Hey, you'll learn those later. Okay. Interesting. You know what you play now. Yeah. You learn them enough that you can like play mm-hmm. them a little and you, you that's what you play so you don't have to go look at opening databases to decide what to play you mm. always have this resource to review your games from and mm. you can find where you so i can find where i deviated yeah. and but i minimal actual study on them i did but i have them so there are a reason i don't have to yeah i don't have to go if the database shows that i had two equally two moves and grandmasters had this position ten thousand times and played this five thousand and this five thousand yeah i don't have to in the past, I might have sat there with an engine and tried to figure out which one was better, but yeah. it doesn't matter. Now I just play the one my repertoire says. So I have the repertoire, yeah. so I don't have to study openings. So it and sounds then like I, your opening prep is more of like an organic adding as you go rather yeah. than sitting down and memorizing. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I, I memorized the quick starters, but then I stopped doing the space repetition on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the okay. quick starter chapters of of them and to that was enough and then playing from there Uh, but what i have been doing is tactics books um 
my initial early chessable strategy was to pay for pro so that I get unlimited free sort free resources uh. and then do all the for every single free tactics book that existed on chessable <laughs> and sense. and ever and uh there's a few really good courses that I think a few really good free courses that are worth recommending uh then the whole the knights on the attack bishops on the attack that series mm -hmm. of courses was a really good systematic way to fill in a lot of gaps in my tactics and then mm. um and then also the there's a basic end games free course that was a really good source for theoretical end games to work through and then i started exhausting the segments of those that i was getting use out of and i did finally start buying some courses mm. uh so i bought uh 1001 chess exercises for beginners okay which was a little below my level, but a really great way to uh, where I was already at tactically, but a really great way to fill in all the gaps, yeah. every pattern that wasn't already buried in my memory, every hole in my underlying knowledge, it filled all of them in. And I finally finished that book recently and I'm working on 1001 chess exercises for club players now. Mm, okay. All right. That's a um, lot of good recommendations. And I like that recommendation that, even if you don't want to spend money on Chessable, that's fine. Like, I was shocked at how many free resources they had. Like, when I use their opening stuff, the the short and sweet, I often like better than the regular ones, right? Because I'm like, okay, this is more geared to me, the low-level player. You know, like, I don't need Geary's whole Sicilian course. Like, I'm not, I'm not that good yet. Yeah, the short and sweets give you enough, right, to try an opening. Yeah. Those lines are enough that you can you go through those lines and you can play it, and you can use databases when you get to moves, when you get to variations that weren't covered. Mm -hmm. You and but if you just want to like try an opening and see if you like it, that's enough. Yeah. And so they're really that's a great way if you want to if you want to try some new openings with some guidance. Uh, and then there's a ton of really great non-opening courses, free courses out there too. So. Yeah, that was my early strategy was just buy pro and then I don't have to buy any books. Yeah. And it worked for a while. That's and what I did too. That was, then that was I started, my start. <laughs> and then I started buying a bunch of books because yeah. I really need to work on strategy. So I'm working on, I have Helson's book to read next. I'm working on Gruton's strategy book now. Mm. I got Helson's strategy book and also his endgame strategy. And I've also got... um. A number. Oh, I, I grabbed Yusupov's two books that are on there. I grabbed 100 End Games. You must know. Like I'm doing a bunch of stuff now, mm -hmm. and I'm I haven't finished any of them. Of course, I'm just doing scattered here and there. Because did I ever mention that I have ADHD? <laughs> yeah, I think even when you don't, it's hard. I, I have so many great chessable courses, and I'm like, if chessable only had the <laughs> one course, I would do it all and love it. But there's so many, it's hard for me to not to resist being like, well, what this one i'll just try this one too yeah uh chess structures by flores that's oh, another that's so good yeah. uh that's one that my coach recommended um i mentioned chess dojo what was one awesome thing about chess dojo for me specifically was i actually managed to get onto their show and get or uh their uh chess sensei oh why am i blanking oh on? you got on that I tried yeah, ultimate sensei ultimate sensei yeah, I got on to the ultimate sensei uh, 1400 1600 season so I got a bunch of free coaching 
from uh, Matt Kolosowski, who is absolutely amazing. Uh, And then we won a fair amount of prize money as a team. And I told him, keep it. It's all keep my share. It's all for lessons. So I still have him as a occasional as my uh, as a coach. And some point that'll run out and I'll have to pay him more to keep him on because he's uh, fantastic to work with. But he's he he, he directed me at Chess Structures, a Grandmaster Guide Mm -hmm. uh, from Flores as another book strategy is again, my huge weakness. And he really wants me to try to work on that, which is why I finished a thousand and one chess exercises for beginners instead. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who needs to listen to your coach? Um, real quick. The ultimate sensei was the first time anyone ever told me I was too good at chess. My hey. rating was like 1650 or whatever. And they're like, I'm sorry, you're out of the range. I was like, I'm too good. What? No one has ever said that before. I was rocking that 1543, so. Nice. Okay. I'm curious. (laughs) I'm curious about your coaching. What has that experience been like? I know a lot of people wrestle with, like, is it really worth the the financial and the time commitment to get a coach? So, I mean, I don't know how qualified I am to speak to how that would be for someone because most people, if they got a coach, aren't going to get nine weeks of two Mm -hmm. lessons a week super intensive as part of a literal game show (laughs) if you get a chance (laughs) to do that it's amazing i highly recommend (laughs) um because i had sort of a certain amount prepaid and for pandemic reasons and i wasn't going to play any tournaments until i was able to get my kid vaccinated that Uh, was a personal choice so uh my over the board return was on hiatus at that at the time ultimate sensei ended so i did pretty minimal i've been done very minimal coaching with matt since it's over we've had um i am back over the board i've played twice um the whole create a club so you can play i did it again except this time (laughs) i've found two other people that were on board and one of them one of them ran with it and so i don't have to do much this time around but there's there is a chess club in town now that meets every week and i've got able to go to a few meetings in and around life and because of that i've played two uh six more rated games a three-round swiss and then a quad one night a week Mm -hmm. so i'm rated chess is available to me again it's only August and September that I finally this month this year that I finally been able to start playing again. I wouldn't really say I'm back back. Gotcha. So uh, those are those have been game in 60 with a five minute with a five second delay. Uh, I haven't really got uh, I haven't gotten to a serious like weekender 90 mm-hmm. plus 30 type event yet, which I really want to do. Yeah, um, I finally have that again. So with that, I have done a couple sessions with Matt. But it's still kind of mostly che- right now I'm using it's mostly like check ins. Here's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. I send him the over the board games when I play them. And if he thinks there's anything that needs to be looked at, do we need it? I send him the games and he tells me if we need a session based on them. <laughs> <laughs> and otherwise, here just checking in on what I, what my what what I'm what my study schedule looks like and all that. But so that's like, where um... For you, one of the big advantages of having a coach is just having someone who's more in touch with what's going on with your game and someone who can yes. add their insights to your game that you wouldn't just naturally be able to see. Yeah, I I find it incredibly valuable. And I think just about anyone would to have even just a few coaching sessions from someone mm-hmm. who can 
look at your games. We don't always know our strengths and weaknesses super accurately. I did know that my strength is tactics and my weakness is strategy. That was no secret. Uh, <laughs> I knew what I needed to work on already, but I didn't entirely know the best way yeah. to work on it. So just those little bits of guidance of like, here's the book you need. Here's the book that will help you the most. Here's hmm. some training positions specific to what you have a coach that can offer just that and then a chance to look over your games with someone. Uh, hopefully if you, hopefully if you have opponents that are willing to do postmortems when you play, that's great too. Yeah. But looking over the game with someone stronger, uh, it's why so many people like to review a game with an engine, but a stronger yeah. human has all the upside of looking yeah. at a game with an engine of spotting the things that you missed with none of the downside that it turns your brain off. <laughs> yeah, and... I, I totally agree. I played a game over the board the other day and it was like, I had calculated this whole thing and I was like, I have to play C4 and then I'm good. And and for some reason I talked myself out of it and then my opponent did and suddenly I'm lost. And I, and I showed it mm -hmm. to my coach and I'm like, see, I calculated all this and I knew that if I did this, I would be winning. And the engine confirmed it. And he was like, well, this whole thing was ridiculous. What are you even talking about? And we rewound like 12 moves. And he's like, this is the beginning of the problem. That's mm -hmm. just like you backed yourself into an only move situation that you didn't have to even consider. And it was like a revelation to me. Because to me, the game was lost. I'm not playing C4. And to him, it was like that that's almost irrelevant at this point. You've played such a bizarre set of moves leading up to it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. One um, of my one games. Of thing... in... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. One of my games in the quad was against a unrated player playing his first tournament. Ooh. I'm super impressed with him, by the way. He came out of that tournament rated 1400 and I think earned it and deserved it. Wow. Uh, he gave I beat him, but he gave me an absolute heck of a game he <laughs> learned the rules last december what he's a true and he's third he's he's my age he's in his late 30s oh, wow. he might be the adult improver you need to talk to in a year yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he keeps working on it but no. uh but like i am i was the stronger player mm -hmm. and i felt i needed to win and i ultimately did i got i he had me under pressure and my clock was down to nothing and he finally let me made like that one move that just kind of gives me an escape and i lashed out one two pawns and then he cracked and dropped a bishop and i mean i, I won the game mm -hmm. but i had my sense of you know everything that went wrong in the complications yeah and i showed it to matt and he goes why did you play for so many complications against a weaker player <laughs> what about what, what did you do on move 13 and 16 right here? Yeah. Those moves were totally unnecessary. And one of them is the engine's best move, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, best by 0 0.03 versus five other options. And yeah. it is the complicating move. And it's not about, I struggled in the complications, but, and luckily my opponent struggled more. Of course we did. That's what happens when there's complications. Mm -hmm. But Matt's just like, why'd you play for complications against the weaker opponent? Just, yeah. <laughs> just let them beat themselves they'll they'll eventually do it so these are the things that a, that an engine can't tell you but a coach can yeah. highly recommend a coach okay. highly recommend matt by the way i don't know that he, for sure if he's taking new students but he's a really fantastic coach i'm just going to throw that out there yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to look him up i know he has a leech s coaching page 
Excellent. Uh, What's his name again? First and last name? Uh, Matt Kolosowski, M-A-T-K-O-L-O-S-O-W-S-K-I. Okay. Um, last question for you today. In in our communication before this, you, you said at least at one point you had a goal of being 2,000 by 40. And so yes. my question is several. First of all, is that still a goal? And if so, why such a lofty goal? Why not like 1,800 in a few years? What's what's going on with our goals here? It's an intentionally lofty goal. And if I'm, it is still a goal, but there's kind of, it's kind of always been a goal in quotes. Mm, um, why 2,000? It's, I mean, round numbers are pretty. Um, mm. It's the word expert really why 2000 uh i can improve to 1800 and i'm still a club i'm still a class player a club player if i hit 2000 i i can legitimately say i'm an expert (laughs) like that's how the that's where the cut cutoffs work yeah and i wanted an i i my self-assessment psychologically was a intentionally lofty goal would Mm -hmm. make me work harder and if i fall short of it and i'm 1800 when i turn 40 i'll still be happy Gotcha. Um, so it's not an I, all or nothing goal. It's, it's more, not an all or nothing. Uh, to try to, to getting for the, if my goal is to get from 1500 to 2000, I need to do a lot of work. Yeah. And if I do, and if in the course of doing a lot of work, I end up at 1800, I'll be thrilled. Uh, okay. I'm still in the 1500s right now. My, those six games I played, I lost rating because I played, because I uh, played one of them against the lower rated player mm-hmm. during one of the Meltwater tournaments. And, uh, mm. Uh, that's my job. Yeah, uh, I'm the tour statistician. If it, right. They they hired me on for that, and my brain goes to mush for my own playing. <laughs> I believe uh, my chess.com tactics rating literally dropped in the first three days of one of those tournaments, three hundred points. Wow, were you? And not- then I got it all back within the first week after the tournament uh, ended. <laughs> and, then those those new, and then I had a new and then I had a new personal record a week later. Yeah. It's almost fun when you go through a streak like that, when you know what your actual rating is and you drop a bunch of points, you're just like, ah, oh, here comes the streak to get it all back. Now it gives me a million easy problems. I can crush them. But yeah. no, I, I had to play a tournament game and I played it very badly. I played it like my like I was 300 points weaker than I really am. And my opponent, to, to his credit, had no problem exploiting it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so I'm... It sounds like you're on your way back. Um, I'm looking forward to see what, say, like this next year looks for you. Do you feel like with a young child, you're going to be able to carve out time? Or is it still kind of like that hit or miss? I'm just doing what I can. I really think I can. Um, we are very gradually doing our re-entry to the world now that he's fully mm-hmm. vaccinated. So I'm going to be able to start going to club more often. I've only been four times so far. Okay. Uh, I made it to one meeting. No, I've been to five, but I made it to two meetings through the summer. And then I went to the three meetings in a row the month I played the quad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I'm going to try to get back at least once a month going forward and then maybe move that to two times a month if I can. So going to club regularly and that in-person experience, I found it so useful back in Klamath. I think that will help a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then there are opportunities to drive two hours North to Portland and play those longer weekender type events. And I might make it to one next month. Mm. Uh, we have to figure out schedules, but I have some hope of that. 
And if not, I will start making it to a few of those each year, at least as a baseline. And then, so yeah, I'm pretty confident that my in-person chess is going to increase dramatically over the coming year from the nothing that it's been. Yeah. And you feel like that'll be instrumental in helping you then make progress in your improvement, right? Like you're connecting over the board chess with improvement. Yeah. And like you, I guess we talked about the study versus play Uh, for me only over the board play really crystallizes anything. I just don't, even even online rapid games mm-hmm. i cannot play online classical i know it would be useful to play classical but i even if i had the time like my brain just doesn't let me um when i'm at a board sitting looking across the board at an opponent i can actually focus on chess for five hours straight mm-hmm. provided i have the opportunity but trying to do that in my house with the dog barking mm-hmm. even if like i had the house myself like there's a bookshelf yeah here's my phone all that stuff just i i cannot as much as i emails just came in what are they maybe as much as i need to play those classical games to crystallize the study i think you might it's not optimal but you might be able to improve by only playing without Mm -hmm. much study but you cannot improve with only study and never playing it just it doesn't the the so I have a lot of only study that I've been doing mm-hmm. and I have a whole lot floating in my head. That's ready <laughs> for that crystallization moment. Yeah. I think I'm like right now, I'm still the 1500 player I was when I started studying. Cause I haven't played. Yeah. But I think I have like at least the 1700 level player. Mm. Maybe if I'm, if I lie to myself, even an 1800 <laughs> level players, like level of uncrystallized knowledge floating around in here, yeah. ready to be applied applied and i believe that if i really play a lot of over the board chess and keep studying mm-hmm. that those gains are coming um, gotcha. i okay. think i'm at, ready for that next big jump like yeah. when i started playing in klamath my 1200 turned into 1400 real fast exactly. i think my current 1500 is ready to turn into a 1700 if I play those over the board games mm-hmm. and analyze them and look at them and I ha- and look at them with my coach. And I mean, those games are themselves training. Yep. I agree. Well, so, I, I think you're on the right path. I look forward to seeing what this next year of actually crystallizing your knowledge looks like. And Ty, it has been such a great conversation. Where can people follow up with you if they want? I feel like you're going to get several inquiries about like, how does one make a chess club? Yeah, I'm always uh, happy to talk about that. Um, the best place to find me is probably just on Twitter at Chess Numbers. Uh, oh. I mean, I, I use that account specifically for all my chess statistics work that we mentioned and touched on here and there. But uh, that's also just me. <laughs> I mean that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I will. I always respond to stuff there. So yeah, if we want to have a if anyone wants to talk about how to start chess clubs incredibly recommended i have sort of done it one and a half times now mm-hmm. uh it, awesome. the best way to do it is to find someone else who really wants to do it and runs with it that's the absolute best but i had to do it myself the first time and that worked too so yeah. no i would love to talk more with people about that and i think it's a 
there's I really believe that almost everyone has a lot more tournament players in a two hour radius of them than they think. And yeah. also a lot more, uh, those people are a lot more willing to drive two hours than you think. So nice. you find enough people in your club t- in your town to run a quad. You can yeah. get people to come from elsewhere to uh, our Eugene tournament. We had that same that same guy from Medford drove up to you drove up to Eugene mm-hmm. for it. That yeah. had came come, come over to visit in Klamath. So uh, when we ran a Swiss, not for our not for yeah. our one game a week stuff, of course, but right. uh, our we've only run one Swiss so far, and we had hmm. twenty three people. Wow, play. that's cool. That's a big Eugene's number. A bigger Eugene's a bigger town, so yeah. there was a decent group to gr- draw on. Some good scholastic teams here, so there were some high schoolers that were mm-hmm. uh, that were ready were up for it and uh a number of adult players in town and then some people traveled and yeah it, it, awesome. i if you build it they will come start chess clubs seriously it's wonderful yeah. <laughs> even more awesome. wonderful for the other people in town who don't have the wherewithal to do it but would yeah. but will show up awesome well thanks so much for all of your thoughts your advice i feel like you, you talked about a lot of really important stuff from like crystallizing knowledge to making chess clubs to finding a training partner. I think these are all really big things that all often will get overlooked. Um, well, if you want to check out Ty, like I think of him as the chess by number, by the numbers guy. So he's got, he does statistics, he plays chess, he does it all. Uh, and for all of you out there, thank you so much for tuning in this week. And I hope this is the week where all your knowledge crystallizes and you magically gain 100 rating points. If it's not, don't worry. That's okay. That's the norm. Come back next week. I'll have another guest for you. They'll have some advice. They'll have a journey to share. And I'll see you all next time. Goodbye.